Unprecedented conversation, bridging the gap between two faiths, spanning over 9,000 miles and over 2,000 years. Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. Shalom, everyone. Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. This is a special 2,000-year-old podcast that is happening, uh, a conversation between Jews and Christians that uh, hasn't been done this way uh, ever. Uh, I, I am the teacher, Aaron Lipkin. And I am the preacher, Dave McGuera. And we especially are grateful for our listeners. What we're talking about right now is what's actually going on in Israel. And what a blessing to be able to have the teacher of the teacher and the preacher who lives in Samaria, who is right in the thick of it, who is able to bring us information and the most updated things in regards to what's going on in Israel right now. There, there is no such thing as, 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 as you know, talking about uh, uh, narratives and about, you know, they're doing this because of that. No, if there's something is being done, if a, a woman is being raped or a baby is being beheaded, that's evil. There's, and you, there's nothing you can say about that. And you have to fight evil. And if that evil is, is being shared, not by a, a terrorist organization, but the whole religion. Big time. Big time. Last week, the spokesperson for the IDF said, with the battle plans of Israel, we recognize that there are those in Gaza who do not agree with what was done by their leaders. They will have to endure because of the, their evil actions. But once again, this is war. You are not victims of the Israel Defense Forces. You are victims of your own leadership. And I don't think it could have been said more clear and more straightforward right there because it, it really describes the, the difficult situation that Israel is in and Israel is endeavoring to clarify so that people understand that, listen, you've put us in an awkward position and then one of the things that was quoted in a briefing that I listened to was the amazing words of um, Golda Meir when she was the prime minister. She said, we can forgive the Arabs for killing our children, but we cannot forgive them for forcing us to kill their children. We will only have peace with the Arabs when they love their children more than they hate us. And I think, you know, here we, we're looking back a number of years ago when she was the prime minister and, and the issues that, that were going on that would cause her to even say that. But I don't think it could be more true and more clear than it is right now. So it, it is a very difficult piece. Israel has uh, this battle in the south and it's got an enemy in the north. And I was really thankful when... President Biden said that he was sending not one but two carrier fleets into the Mediterranean to be an, an asset to Israel and to help with that northern border. And a very clear warning was given to Hezbollah about um, you might want to think twice before you try something because we have a strong uh, force waiting to help us right off of the coast, which I think is, a, is not only a great move by the U.S., but I think it was a great move to, 
to, to give that warning. Uh, so Israel has got their hands full right now. Now, let me ask you this, because one of the things that we've heard quite a bit on the news is this ground operation in Gaza, and now you don't hear much about what's, that's kind of calmed down about this invasion, as though it hasn't even happened. Can you give us any update on that? Sure. Everybody's waiting for the ground assault on Gaza. Uh, we have uh, around 200,000 soldiers uh, reservists and, uh, and uh, you know, regular duty uh, waiting on the Gazan border for orders to start the ground assault. And we have 200,000 more uh, on the northern border waiting for, com- for uh, commands to go into Lebanon and destroy Hezbollah. Um, this, has, this situation has been going on for two weeks. Uh, soldiers are starting to complain. What's going on? You know, we are we we are we are full of motivation, and we want to 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 destroy these terrorists. And the army is is the government is not letting the uh, the units go in and start fighting. Um, so the, the the assumption is, of course, I'm not sitting with Netanyahu and discussing the next moves, but. Uh, what the, the the common understanding is that Netanyahu uh, doesn't want to start the ground assault yet, uh, because in the past two weeks, air force um, jets have been bombing um, buildings, uh, terrorist infrastructure, and most important importantly, the tunnels, uh, the tunnel city that was built under Gaza. Uh, with uh, hundreds and thousands of terrorists waiting for our troops to go in so they could start fighting guerrilla warfare against them. So Netanyahu wants to make sure that Israel does whatever it can to decrease the threat from the tunnel city and from the uh, Hamas infrastructure in Gaza. Um, And until that ends, um, Netanyahu, I believe, will not let the IDF, the Israeli army, go in. Um, I, but again, I have to say, people are losing patience. They want uh, this to continue and go forward. And it seems like Netanyahu wants to uh, take time to to destroy the infrastructure and to in, uh, bring more uh, international support to Israel because uh, the moment that support starts diminishing, uh, the more international pressure will be applied on Israel to stop the, uh, the, the operation or the war. On the northern border, Israel is right now just retaliating to uh, missiles that are being shot by Hezbollah, the uh, terrorist organization in Lebanon backed by Iran, because Israel doesn't want to open a second front at the same time that things are going on in Gaza. So right now, the clashes between Israel and Hezbollah are limited, but uh, it's it's escalating. Uh, so you know every day you see more attacks, and Israel uses more uh, uh, you know uh, uh, different types of uh, warfare, and it's escalating every day. And the the understanding is that that when a a front will be fully open with Hezbollah, the situation is going to be totally different. 
than the situation we currently have with Gaza. If Hamas uh, started out this operation with 10,000 missiles, Hezbollah has more than 100,000, uh, maybe even more than that, and they, are, they have accurate missiles. And uh, the attack is not just going to be from Lebanon, it's going to be from Syria, it's going to be from Iraq, and possibly from Yemen, and maybe even Iran. So it's, it's, a, it's a whole different ball game, and I think Netanyahu wants to delay that front from opening until we have enough uh, backing from the uh, U.S. and uh, to have our troops ready for such a war. And we're talking about a war that will take months, if not years. Yeah, this is, uh, this is part of the potential reality of what we're looking at here. You know, uh, there's a lot of things that um, people don't get to hear that we're, we're talking about here. Uh, Iran is definitely got its fingerprints over all of this, and and the world makes no bones about that. I think they all see that. But it's as though uh, Hezbollah is baiting Israel to, to get engaged in a war. And I think Iran prefers that if that war is going to happen, it would rather have it happen in Lebanon than in Iran. And so um, they have worked hard to prep their proxies, Hezbollah and Hamas, to, to do these attacks. They have been training uh, Hamas and Hezbollah for a number of years for, for this very moment. And some of these things that they have, uh, have uh, aggressively done uh, towards, towards Israel. And I think that one of the things that we see here is that uh, there is uh, a bolder effort being put forth by Iran in front of a watching world. Um, you know, there's many in the United States who are really disgusted and disappointed that the president availed $6 billion to be made available to Iran, and then they couch it within the framework of, well, it's to be used for humanitarian aid. And Iran has been very upfront saying, listen, we'll use that money however we please. And um, that uh, when's the last time you heard Iran using money for humanitarian efforts with their people. They're certainly not building hospitals and schools and neighborhoods. Uh, they're building bombs, and they want to have nuclear capability. I, I, want, I want to add one more thing. We, again, we, our listeners have to understand where we're talking about a religious war. There's a religious war being waged by Islam against the rest of the world. Now, Iran represents a different uh, take to that war because the Shiite view is a very messianic in nature. They uh, are, are, are thinking of bringing about the coming of the Mahdi, which is the Islamic equivalent of Messiah, and they see that happening through war and bloodshed. Uh, when America is giving $6 billion to, to Iran, they're thinking about cutting a deal. But you don't cut a deal with the devil. And, and that's, the, that's the understanding that Western governments and leaders have to understand. Iran is not out there 
to sign a, an agreement and, and, and cut a deal. Iran has a very revolutionary, religious, uh, um, eschatological view and is, is working constantly to promote it uh, and to bring about uh, the, the end of days. They don't care about human lives. They don't care about uh, the Palestinians. They don't care about, about anything but promoting their messianic Shiite view. Um, again, I, I invite our, our listeners to, to look it up on, in, on the Internet, read about the Shiite uh, view, the Iranian view. And again, I'm not, when I'm saying Iranian, I'm not talking about all the Iranian people. I'm just talking about the Iranian regime because many Iranians oppose their, their government. Many Iranians love Israel. They want Israel and, and Iran to be uh, in peace and in good relations. The, the problem is the, the Ayatollahs, the Shiite religious Islamic uh, regime that is in control of Iran and is, is, is stirring all these conflicts all around us. Um, so, you know, this is, this, is, yeah, this is the problem. You know, just recently, um, uh, an Iranian spy group was exposed here working in the United States. And uh, they infiltrated the American government and were working not only at the State Department but also at the Pentagon. And they say that they obtained access to sensitive U.S. government information and they were all hired under the recommendation of Robert Malley. And Robert Malley, any of our listeners may know, he was the chief negotiator for the Obama administration, Obama administration on the Iran deal. And he's the one who recommended these people to be hired by the U.S. government. Um, we also, just this past week, uh, at our southern border, uh, we arrested four Iranians that were listed on the terror list. And we caught them crossing the border. We, we, we already know that we have some sleeper cells here in the United States. And, you know, this whole thing ends up being a powder keg at, at, at a greater level uh, where um, it's not just an Israel issue. This is an issue that Iran has made no bones about it, that we will go after the little Satan, and then we're going to go after the big Satan. And they, they pull out whatever stops they need to. And one of the problems we have here in the United States is that we think, well, that's over there. That's over there. And we don't, we don't take it personal enough to be educated and aware and living with this holy awareness. Uh, because, you know, no one wants to live in fear. But the reality is that these things are happening. And let's talk about the role of the Bible in this. So before we maybe move into that arena of conversation, let me just say, and it also reminds us to pray for Israel and all of our Jewish friends and uh, certainly to keep Aaron and the family in, uh, in our prayers. Aaron, thank you so much for not only being a part of the teacher and the preacher, but just what you bring to the table in helping our listeners understand what's actually going on and what you're living with right now. Are any of your children, have, are they serving in the IDF? Uh, have they served and are now in reserve position? So just, uh, just to remember, remind everyone, uh, on October 7th, we had a major terrorist attack uh, on Israel and uh, 
thousands of people uh, got uh, died and, and got, or, or were injured. Uh, Israel is at a state of war at the moment and is uh, conducting an operation uh, in Gaza uh, against the Hamas, uh, the extremist Islamic terrorist organization. And uh, uh, we are facing a second front with uh, Hezbollah, uh, the Lebanese-backed, Iranian-backed terror organization, Shiite organization. And um, yeah, we, we are, you know, all of Israel is recruited at the moment. My son is in reserves um, most of the week. At the, at the weekends, he comes back home. Uh, my, my daughter uh, didn't serve in the army. She is volunteering, helping families that were evacuated from uh, cities and towns in the south and in the north uh, that, are be, that are basically under a, mis a constant missile attack, on a daily missile attack. Um, I myself uh, am, am, am on guard duties in my community because of the threat of attacks from the neighboring Islamic uh, villages around us. Uh, the situation is definitely very, very volatile uh, and is, is escalating on a daily basis. Um, and so, uh, but, but, you know, all of Israel is recruited. Everybody is, is trying to do their best. They're donating blood, collecting food, collecting supplies, uh, helping soldiers, you know, cooking food for them. Uh, you know, even giving them, uh, you know, battery charges uh, for phones, for cell phones. Um, you know, sometimes they are missing, you know, socks or under underwear. And, and so everybody is doing something uh, because everybody believes that Israel's cause is just. You know, this is an interesting thing because in Israel... Um those who graduate from high school, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, uh, go in to serve in the military. And, but not, not everybody who lives in Israel uh, is pulled into the IDF. Uh, talk to our listeners a little bit about how that whole piece works and how long a person serves, and then what is the age limit for being available to be called up in, in reserve? When they talk to uh, the, the law um, requires every Israeli to join the Israeli army at the age of 18 and serve three years of mandatory service for men and uh, around one and a half uh, years for women. Uh, there are populations in Israel that are excluded from uh, this mandatory recruitment and those are the ultra-Orthodox Jews uh, and Arabs. Um, so, you know, th that constitutes uh, about, I would say, 20% of Israel's population that is not recruited. Um, and so uh, the, the, most of the population is recruited, it does serve in the army. Uh, I do have to say that the ultra-Orthodox Jews um, are um, um, helping out in other ways. Uh, we have a lot of uh, non-profit organizations that are being run by uh, ultra-Orthodox uh, Jews uh, that take care of uh, the poor, the needy, um, uh, that, that, uh, that give uh, emergency medical treatment uh, to terror attacks. Uh, and so even now, when you, when you see this war going on in Israel, you see these ultra-Orthodox nonprofits uh, helping a lot 
with the war effort. Um, this is this is basically the, the situation after three years of service uh, for men and one and a half years for women. Uh, the the next stage is reserves, and you usually do reserves until the age of forty five or fifty, depending on your unit. Um, I served in intelligence, and uh, I'm no longer uh, at the age of forty nine doing reserves. Uh, ho- however, I can volunteer and uh, and do certain things for the war effort. So that's kind of uh, where we are. And, and you know, I have to say something in in the past year, Israel has experienced one of its biggest crises, uh, a crisis of a very big division between uh, Jews. And uh, one of the things that came up during that uh, crisis, um, unprecedented crisis in Israel, is that many uh, Israeli Jews said that they will not serve in the army because of this disagreement, because of this this uh, uh, crisis, this this uh, um, fractioning of the the population, and um, and now when this war started, what you're seeing is not a hundred percent recruitment. You're seeing a hundred and fifty percent recruitment. In other words, this war uh, united the Jewish people in Israel for the cause of fighting terrorism. Uh, no matter if you're atheist, if you're traditional, if you're religious. If you're Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox, doesn't matter. All Jews are now standing together because we, we see that, that the, the threat to our existence is not a judicial reform or the character of the Jewish state. It is a, 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 a shared enemy that doesn't care if it kills a traditional Jew or an Orthodox Jew or an atheist. It kills everyone who is Jewish. And so you see that everybody's recruiting, everybody's joining in the war effort, uh, and, and, and this, this 180-degree change uh, in Israel is, 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 is un- unbelievable. I mean, if you came here two weeks ago, Israel went through its worst time uh, of solidarity inside the Jewish people. And now there's so much solidarity and so much unification that uh, it's such a huge, a major change. Yeah, this is a very interesting piece because when crisis happens, when something of this level happens, it has a way of recalibrating our thinking where the main thing becomes the main thing. And, and this is demonstrated in, in a powerful way by what we've watched happen in Israel. Because a watching world was watching and viewed Israel uh, as maybe split or weak. And, and to, then to see the people rise up and come together and focus just like you're talking about. So that it's not a hundred percent; it's over a hundred percent. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure that the reason why the one of the reasons why the attack happened on October seventh is the wrong assessment by our enemies that we are weak, that we are split, uh, and that this is the right time to attack. Uh, there, there was there was obviously another more important reason, and that is a huge uh, music festival 
that uh, that happened uh, that that occurred um, a short distance away from the border with Gaza. Uh, the Hamas terrorists knew that that festival was going to 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 be going on. They knew that thousands of people, unarmed people, are going to be there in a state that doesn't uh, help fighting terrorists. Uh, you know, usually these parties go on with alcohol and who knows what. Um, and, and thousands were butchered. Uh, and, and so the reason why Hamas chose that, that time is because of this festival, but also because they believe that it's the right time to attack a weak uh, uh, Jewish entity. There's no question about it. They, they left a lot of wreckage, a trail, a horrible trail of wreckage uh, with their efforts. Uh, I was on a briefing uh, just not very long ago, and and the person who was doing the briefing said, the word inhumane pales in trying to describe how desecrated uh, these people were treated. And um, part of the reason that, you know, numbers came out of Israel uh, of uh, deceased and wounded is because you know, they were having a hard time identifying people, and uh, it was just a massacre and and extremely tragic. So for our listeners, you know, we, we're talking about a small country. Uh, I think maybe at its widest, it's uh, 50 or 60 miles, and north and south, what is it, 400, uh, a little over 400 miles? We're, we're talking about a small area. I mean, the IDF uh, Air Force can't even open up uh, their their jets to full throttle without being out of Israeli airspace. So it's it's very small. But at the same time, you know, it is a place that um, there is a wonderful bunch of bold, um, ethical, moral people who value life who make up this country called Israel, who have blessed the world, just as the Bible said that God would use them to do that, who have contributed heavily to the wonderful function of life in agriculture and medicine and technology and you name it. This is so good, but we're out of time on the radio broadcast, and I just want to thank our listeners for tuning in. You can catch the rest of this conversation by simply going to theteacherandthepreacher.com and uh, listen to the podcast there because I think this is a great conversation and really insightful. Uh, you can also uh, write Aaron and I by just simply going to email and, and put theteacherandthepreacher at gmail, theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com and uh, share with us your thoughts, your input, uh, suggestions. We would, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Hope you'll do that. And I want to say thank you to our donors as well. You help us do what we're doing right now. And uh, those of you who uh, have appreciated this program, I hope you'll maybe go to our website, theteacherandthepreacher.com, and click on the donate button. It's totally painless. And you can give like you've always wanted to give. So thank you again for joining us. And as we always say, may the God of Israel, who never slumbers or sleeps, may he watch over Israel and all of our Jewish friends. And may the same God bless America. 